The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning. I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here with us today. We're finishing out our series that we've been teaching through this month um, on foundations, talking about what matters most to us as a church as we go into 2022. We've talked about um, we've talked about the devoted gathering, the importance of the devoted gathering for believers, how we find accountability and unity and maturity when we gather together, whether that's here on a Sunday morning at 10:15 or in small groups. We talked about generous giving, and we, uh, in that text in Exodus, if you remember, the people just kept giving and kept giving, and they kept giving. No one said, they have enough, they don't need me. They waited until Moses, until the people, the leaders came and said, we have everything that we need. And if you remember, that was for a specific gift, that was a specific purpose. So generous giving is something that we were were asking for our body to be focused on this year. Um, Last week, we talked about spirit-enabled and empowered serving. And this allows other people to experience the love of God through us. 1 John 4.12 says this, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. I want you to let those words sink in. People haven't actually seen God, but they experience his love through us when we serve. And today what we're going to talk about is disciple-making going. And we're going to talk about three things. Uh, Making disciples is the mission and the purpose of God's people. He doesn't leave us alone and, and, and want us, expect us to figure out how to do that. He's with us and he's placed us into a specific church body so that we can fulfill that purpose together. Those are the three things we're going to talk about today. But starting next week, we are, we're going to begin a series on the gospel of Mark. Um, when you leave today, we have, um, we have something for you. So we have, we've secured through the publisher, um, the NLT publisher, to be able to print off 200 copies of the gospel of Mark. And what we've done with that is we've created a booklet um, for whoever wants one of these booklets. I know a lot of small groups are going to be using these in their small group time. And you can bring this with you on Sunday, and it's going to have the Bible text on one side, and then on the other side, it's going to have a section for you to make notes. It's going to have study questions, things to kind of stimulate you and guide your mind as you read through the gospel, as we read through the gospel of Mark from now until Easter. There are also some different resources that are available. There's a code that you can scan at the beginning that will take you to some digital resources. Um, This is something that I've been really excited about ever since we started talking about it, like in October of last year. We want to do it again at the end of this year when we go through the book of Romans. But again, we only have 200 copies of these. So if you want one, we want you to take one. Um, And we, if you're not going to use it, we ask you to leave it. For someone else so that they can. Today we have 150 copies available and we'll have the other 50 available next week. So be sure to pick these up. These will be at the Welcome Center as you leave today. Um, Let's go to, I'm going to again follow along in our Bible app um, to Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20. And I would invite you to follow along with me in in your own Bible. (laughs) 
says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So making disciples is the mission and the purpose of the church. I love the way Jesus begins this command. I love the way Jesus begins this invitation. He says, I have all authority. So total phenomenal cosmic power belongs to Jesus. And when he tells us that, and he tells us to go make disciples, to the believer, this is not something that is optional for us. This isn't something that we have a choice in. Jesus is not giving his disciples a choice. This is something that we as Christians, we are all called to make disciples. I, I realized uh, earlier this week that I've used that word called a number of different times over the past couple months or so. And I wonder if I've ever taken the time to explain it. So, so I grew up, as I've shared before, I grew up not in a church of Christ, Christian church background. I grew up in a Presbyterian church background. And we use that word called a lot. So that just runs deep in my soul. So called, what does that mean? Really, when God calls us to something, he's inviting us. He's calling us to it. He's calling us into something. He's asking us, he's inviting us to participate in him. But, but here's the thing with the invitations that God gives. You know, they're not really a choice, right? When God invites us into something, when he calls us to do something, it's an invitation that we are expected to accept. It's not just our job to go out and make disciples. It's our primary function. See, everything that we are to do in this life is to be oriented around making disciples of other people. Everything. And we've used this language of invitation because that's what God is calling us to. It's what he's inviting us to. And we've talked about it. The invitation to the devoted gathering was we read in scripture and we see all of these, all of these commands, all of these invitations, all of these callings. When, when God calls us to do something, when God invites us, it's not really something that we're supposed to say no to. It's not really something that we have the option or the choice to say no to. We've been invited to give generously. We've been called by God to give generously. We have been called by God to serve in a spirit-enabled and spirit-empowered way so that other people will experience God's love through us. It's what we've been called to. It's what we've been invited to. It's what we have been expected to and the reality of it is if, is if that's, if it's a command, a question that we have to wrestle with as, as Christians, as individuals, a question that we have to wrestle with as a church is, is this. Why do we treat the commands of God as optional? And that's not just about the devoted gathering or generous giving or spirit enabled and empowered serving or disciple making going. 
It's any command of God. When we read scripture and we see that we are supposed to do something or not supposed to do something, I think what what many of us do, and maybe you're more spiritual than me, so you never do this, but we we start to kind of look for ways to get out of it, don't we? We wonder, does, does God really mean that for me? I mean, generous giving, I don't really have a lot to give anyway, so, so God, surely God doesn't want me to give generously. Surely when it says that we are, we've been invited to, to gather together, surely that doesn't mean me. And I would like for you to consider that God has commanded us to do things. As a Christian, God has commanded us to do things. And he's invited us, but it's a command. And, and these commands, this invitation to go out and make disciples, actually goes all the way back to the beginning of the book. In Genesis chapter 1, God created everything. That's what Genesis 1.1 tells us. He gave life to man. He breath, breathed life into our lungs. He gave us a mission and a purpose. He gave us a reason to exist, to rule and to reign. That's what Genesis tells us. When God created mankind, he says, go rule, go reign. Tend the garden. Bring order to chaos. That's, that's what you, mankind, that's what I've created you for. It's what I've invited you to do, to participate with me, God, in this great mission of bringing order to chaos, of tending the garden, of taking care of what I have given you. And it wasn't too long in my mind. Like, this isn't in the Bible. Like, we would like to think, like, uh, when I think about Genesis chapter 3, I would like to think that there were hundreds and hundreds of years between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. But, I would like to think that, but in reality, because I know that I'm a sinner, like if the seventh day was a day, the day of rest was a, was Saturday in the Old Testament, I'm thinking Sunday morning when Eve woke up and saw the tree, that was when she sinned. I think that's reality. Like the very next day, it didn't take hundreds of years. I think it was the next day. And what did Eve do? See, she was told they could have fruit from any tree in the garden except one. And what did she do? She took God's command. She took God's invitation to eat of every other thing in the garden. She took that as optional. And as human beings, we've been missing out ever since. But we can't just blame them. It's easy to look back on, on Adam and Eve in hit, kind of from a historical standpoint and be like, oh man, if only Eve didn't eat that fruit, everything would be fine. Well, see, then we have to ask the question, well, how does that translate over into my life? So how are you doing when it comes to God's commands? When I read what the Bible tells me and I choose to, to deem a command of God as optional, then I'm Eve, Right? So I can't just blame Eve for all of my sinful choices. I have to take ownership. I have to take 
personal responsibility for my role in this. And when we read through the Bible, we read through the Old Testament, what we see is a loving God who consistently and persistently chases us down. And despite our sinful choices, despite the way we look at God's laws as optional, he invites us. He invites us to participate in a better story. He tells us that there's something more for us. Giving us the choice time and time and time and time again to respond, to accept his invitation. But the thing that we need to remember is we're, we're not just saved for our own sake. Sometimes as Christians, we can have this mindset that, that my relationship with God is about me and my relationship with God. But that's not, that's not what the Bible says. That's not the text I read you from 1 John 4.13 says. We've been saved so that others might experience the love of God through us. I think back to the story that I've shared, that I shared last week about our friend Teresa Poland in Marysville, Ohio. You know, Anne calls her, looking for childcare. She says she's full. Teresa hangs up the phone, and then she hears whatever that means. She hears this voice from God saying, no, you need to call them back. Imagine for a moment if, if Teresa had said, you know what, Ann and John, they'll find someone to, to, to do child care. I'm sure if Ann and John are, stay long enough in Marysville, Ohio, they'll eventually get to a church where they're going to hear the gospel. See, Teresa, didn't, Teresa did not hear God's command to love other people as an option. She heard God's command as a command. She heard God's invitation as a command. And I know because I've been, I've been a Christian for a while. I've talked to people who are Christians for a while. I know that we like to think like, well, if I heard that voice, anyone? Well, if God told, like if I hung up the phone and I heard a voice that told me to pick the phone up, how many of us would pick the phone up and call the person back, right? We like to think, think we have deluded ourselves that if we heard God like that, we would completely be obedient. And I would invite you, that's not a command, by the way. I would invite you to read through the Old Testament and see how many times God audibly communicated. God spoke to people in powerful ways, demonstrating his love. As the Israelites wandered through the desert for 40 years, we read about in the book of Exodus, pillar of fire by night, pillar of clouds by day, like you would think, we would think, we would place ourselves in that story and be like, you know what? If I saw a pillar of cloud and I knew that was God, I would follow it. But did, is that what the people did? As soon as Moses was gone for 40 days on the mountain, what did the people do? 
they gathered up all their gold and they threw it in the fire and a golden calf came out, which isn't what happened, by the way. Right, the people had God's physical presence with them and they continually chose to ignore the call to be his people. And the reality of it is we are surrounded by God speaking to us all the time. We have the Bible, we have his word, we have scriptures, right? When we, when we say, oh man, I wish God would talk to me, open your Bible. We're surrounded by God speaking to us all the time. We have the gathering together. Believe it or not, like this is how God speaks to us. And it's not just, not just when we read the text or, or when someone gives a communion meditation, but it's through song. It's through the way that we are together. I haven't said that one in a while. Like the way that we are together is a proclamation of the gospel. It's a proclamation of the reality of God. We have small groups and Bible studies and ministry teams and serving opportunities. See, we have all of these things that are available to us to hear the voice of God. But the reality of it is we have to utilize them. And I think that, I think that our problem is it's not that God doesn't speak to us. We've simply convinced ourselves that God's not speaking in the right way. Like if God would audibly speak to me, I would be obedient. But just reading it in the Bible I'm not so sure. See, it's not that God isn't speaking to us. I think we've just decided that God hasn't spoke to us correctly. Or he hasn't been loud enough. And I would encourage you to ask yourself, do you, do you think the God of the universe doesn't know how to talk to you? Have you ever wondered, do you think that God doesn't know how to communicate with you? See, for us as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. And that's the second thing we're going to talk about is God doesn't leave us alone to figure out how to make disciples. He is with us. And it's that presence that makes all the difference in the world. His presence. So in a second, we're going to read Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 to 12. Here's the story. Genesis ends with, with Joseph and, and his brothers and about 72 people in Egypt. Joseph is second in command to the Pharaoh. Things look pretty good for God's people who were told that they were going to live in a land. Only this wasn't the land. And we flip the page from Genesis to Exodus and we go 400 years in history. And what's happened is the, the people who remembered Joseph and all of the good things that Joseph did for them as Egyptians, they passed away. And the Jewish people, the Israelites, had become more and more numerous. And the Egyptians realized that they had a problem, so they enslaved God's people. And after a period of time, God hears their cries and he, he raises up this man named Moses. And Moses is raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses is a Jew raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Grows up in the household of Pharaoh. Becomes very powerful in Egypt. Imagine that for a moment. 
And then one day, Moses goes out to where the slaves are working. He goes out to where all of his people are working. And he sees this Egyptian beating a Jewish man. And Moses kind of looks around and then he kills the Egyptian and buries his body in the sand. Right? Because he's going to take it, he's going he's to deliver his people under his own power. And I, I want you to see a little trend that takes place. What happens when we decide what we're going to do under our own power rather than waiting for God? The next day, Moses goes back out. He sees two Jewish people fighting. He says, hey, this is the Mohan paraphrase. What are you fighting about? Your brothers. And one of them says, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? Well, Moses realizes that he's going to be found out. So he flees to the land of Midian for 40 years. And that 40 years, the people continue to be enslaved. And then one day, Moses is out shepherding. And God appears to him in a burning bush. And they're having this conversation and God says, Moses, I want you to go back and deliver my people. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to deliver my people. Let's read. This is Exodus 3 verses 11 and 12. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? And God says, well, Moses, you know the culture, you know the language, you know everything that there is to know about the Egyptian people. Does your Bible say that? No. You know what your Bible says? Moses, I will be with you. I will be with you. And this is your sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God at this very mountain. See, we would like to think that the reason God chose Moses to deliver his people was because Moses had the right skill set. Moses was the right person. He was the right guy for the job. And I'm not saying that knowing the culture didn't matter. I'm not saying knowing the language didn't matter. I'm not saying knowing the customs of the people of Egypt didn't matter. Those things were probably pretty helpful, wouldn't you think? But you know what the difference was? God said, Moses, I'm going to be with you. See, it's not built on Moses' skill set. It's not built on what Moses brings to the table when it comes to serving in the church. When it comes to being a person who is obedient to God. Those things are helpful, but that's not what it's about. The difference was that God was with Moses. Moses, let me tell you why this whole thing is going to be successful. Because I'm going with you. That's why. That's why. I am going with you. And I would encourage you at the, at the end of that Bible reading plan, you're going to see a number of texts 
um, in, the, in the study guide portion of this Bible reading event, you're going to see a number of texts where God tells the people that he's going with them. Do you remember Gideon? Angel comes to Gideon. Gideon, I want you to deliver my people from the Midianites. And what does Gideon say? I'm from the worst tribe and the worst clan in the entire tribe. Why are you picking me? And what does God say? I'm going to be with you. And what you'll see is time after time in the Bible is God telling the people that he's going to be with them. And see, that's the difference. It's not about the skill sets that we have. Those are helpful. They're even important. But the difference is that God is with us. Acts 4.13 says this. Peter and John have been causing, they've been going out and they've been proclaiming the gospel. And this has gotten them into, this has gotten them into trouble. So the council, the Sanhedrin, the very people that had accused Jesus and had him murdered, by the way, call, arrest Peter and John and have them brought before them. And Acts 4.13 says this, it says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Pause. Peter and John were fishermen. They were low on the social scale. See, we would think that they don't have much to offer God's kingdom. But this is how Acts 4.13 ends. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, it wasn't their... It wasn't their business acumen in being fishermen that made them effective disciples. And yes, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks when Jesus, actually next week, when Jesus calls the disciples, he says, come, I will make you fishers of men. Right? So we're, we're sort of tempted there. Because Jesus used that phrase, like he's, he's tapping in to, to this inherent skill that they have. But I want you to notice that, that the difference between Peter and John, the reason they were so bold is because they had been with Jesus. It had nothing to do with their social status. It had nothing to do with their economic status. It had nothing to do with maybe even their willingness to be used by God. The difference was they had been with Jesus. And as I said that, God's presence makes all the difference. It is the difference. In John 15, 1 through 8, again, you can follow along in, in you version. Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. This next part is so critical. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. See, the difference, the difference in the things that we do as followers of Christ is whether or not Christ is with us. That's the difference. God doesn't leave us alone to figure out how to make disciples. He's with us. And his presence makes a difference. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And every time I read that verse, including right now, I I have to think back on my own life and wonder how many times I've done something and not had God with me. And it looked like it was successful. It looked like it was a win. It looked like it was meaningful. It looked like... I was bringing honor to God. But if God's not in it, it's nothing. And I think we have, with the skill, just skill level, I think there's a lot of things that we could accomplish here at Westway Christian Church. Just the skill set of the people within the body. And the crazy thing is, without God, it won't mean anything. It means nothing. And here's, here's the third part. He's placed us into a specific church body so that we might fulfill this purpose together. I want to read Ephesians 3.10 to you. It says this. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The church is God's plan to save the world. The church is God's plan to save the world. Human speaking, that's a really terrible plan, isn't it? Would would you pick, like look around for a second. Would you pick you people to save the world? Would you pick yourself to save the world? God, God has. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. See, God has chosen us. Us, like you, me. He has chosen us to save the world. He has chosen us to display his wisdom in its rich variety to the unseen powers, rulers, and authorities in the heavenly places. That's crazy. I mean, sometimes I can't remember which side of my car the gas tank is on. So I have to look at that little arrow. See, and God God has chosen us He's invited us. He's called us. He's commanded us to 
to go out and make disciples. Not just a church, but the church. And if we were to read through the New Testament letters, we're going to see that there's a number of individualized churches. Each of them are, are in specific cities and dealing with specific issues. In Revelation chapter 2, there are seven churches. They're their own entities, right? They're, they're individual churches. They're not uniform, but they're united. I wonder if you've ever asked the question, what specific church body have I been placed into? Have you ever wondered when you show up here on a Sunday morning, is this the church where God has called me to? I would encourage you to ask yourself that question. I would encourage you to ask yourself the question, how did you pick this particular church? I think as a Christian, you ought to be able to answer that question. How did you pick this particular church? When we went to Marysville Christian Church back in 1995, we went because Teresa invited us. We found someone who was interested in us and committed to us and wanted to share the gospel with us. And, and over a period of time while we were there, um, we were exposed to the gospel. We were exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And more than us being exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ exposed us. The gospel exposed us. Our sinfulness was exposed. Our brokenness was exposed. Our dysfunctions were exposed by the gospel, by the scriptures, and those things were exposed by the people who God placed us into. See, it wasn't just about coming into this, I mean, initially it was. But at some point it stopped being this place just where we came because, because the people were friendly and we relatively enjoyed the music. See, at some point it stopped being about that. And it started being about what the gospel was exposing into us, in us. What the gospel was revealing when we would read scriptures and we would see things like, apart from me, you can't do anything good. And here I am as a, you know, good, moral, upstanding citizen, paying my taxes most of the time following the speed limit, like I was doing all, like all of the right things, taking my kids to church, right? Because that's what good people do. We want our kids to have good moral, moral foundation. We want them to be, be good people. So like I'm coming into that church and I know I'm missing things in my life. But I'm coming into that church and I'm actually, I'm kind of like torn between, I know I need to change, but also like I'm kind of doing a lot of things right, comparatively speaking. And over time, the gospel starts to break that down, that my morality wasn't enough. And we got involved in small groups and we served and we went to events and we were constantly being invited. The church was constantly inviting us. And when I say the church, I don't mean Marysville Christian Church organizationally. 
I mean the body of believers were constantly inviting us into the realities of God's kingdom. See, what they didn't know they were doing, maybe they did, they were revealing the wisdom of God to the unseen rulers and authorities in my heart and in Anne's heart. They were revealing God's wisdom to the deep-rooted sin that was within me. And over a period of time, then, we, we had a choice. Kind of choice one was, well, maybe Marysville Christian Church isn't for us. Like, I don't mean, that we didn't mean that um, they weren't real Christians or there wasn't a real church, but maybe, maybe just the way they did things, the way they did their children's ministry, the way they did music, the way they uh, served communion, maybe their ministry philosophy, like maybe that wasn't a good fit for us. Well, you know, there, there were other churches in Marysville, Bible-believing churches in Marysville, where we could have gone and God could have used them to draw himself draw us to himself. We could have left. We could have gone to another church. Maybe someplace that would have preached a lesser gospel. Maybe, maybe another church would have less expectations on me as a person who is growing in my relationship with God. Someplace where we could just sit, not have to participate, not have to engage. No one was going to invite me week after week after week after week to small group. No one's going to talk to me about generous giving. No one's going to do all of these things. Like I can just go to another church and I just don't have to deal with all that. We could have left and gone to no church. Or we could have stayed and gotten involved. We could have engaged in the mission of the church. And as we were, like I'm, I'm thinking about this, like this was 25 years ago thinking of this with a 25-year lens on. The reality of it was um, we had really no choice but to stay and get involved. Didn't really have a choice. I don't mean that like in a Calvinistic predestination kind of way, that we didn't have a choice. I mean, we had been exposed to real life. We had been exposed to the realities of God. God exposed us to his realities. We've been exposed to the kingdom. See, the truth had set us free. And for us to do anything but go all in would have been for us to reject reality, to ignore what God was calling us to. See, we had been placed in that body and and that meant participation. Had we been invited? Yes. Could we have ignored it? I, no. We couldn't have ignored it. I mean, I guess we could have. But what would that disobedience have meant? See, at 25 years old, the, 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 the idea that I would stand on something even approximating this in front of a group of people and reading them the Bible 
That was, that was not only not even on my radar, that was like before radar had even been invented. Like there's no way. There's no way was I ever going to do something like this. And I think about, man, how, if my, in my disobedience, if we had rejected that invitation at Marysville, like what, what, would that have, what would that have meant? How could I possibly have done that? And now it's time for us to think about the invitations that we've been given. This is God's language. It's not ours. And I wonder if, if us inviting you to serve, inviting you to give generously, inviting you to, to gather together, inviting you to, to go make disciples. I wonder for some of you if this hasn't caused you some discomfort. I want you to know that if, if it is, if it has, you're not alone in that. That was, that was the tension that we were feeling when we were in Marysville Christian Church. I wonder, this is the part of my message that I've really been wrestling with for the last three weeks. I wonder for some of you if for whatever reason, um, like you, you're in a spot where you can't step out on faith here and into the life that God has for you here. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about here. I'm wondering if for some of you, maybe you just don't, maybe you don't believe in the way that we do kind of do things here, right? The way we do small groups or the way we do serving teams. Maybe you, maybe you don't like the way we express like who we are kind of as a church, as an individual church in Scotts Bluff. Um, up until a year ago, conversations like this with people really made me anxious. Um, if I had somebody come to me and say, hey, um, I'm thinking about leaving, we're thinking about leaving, like, oh man, my heart rate would go through, um, would go through the roof. I would feel like I needed to fix whatever it was that was their issue. I'd feel, I'd feel responsible. And then like about a year ago, here's, here's what I started to do. Here's what I started to say. I totally understand why you would feel that way. The way we do things isn't necessarily for everyone, but we do what we do because we feel like it's who God has called us to be as a church. And what that means is there are, there are lots of great churches in Scotts Bluff. I believe there are other Bible-believing churches in Scotts Bluff and Gearing and Mitchell and Bridgeport and Baird. And if you decide to leave Westway, will you just go get involved? Will you engage in the ministry of that church? If for whatever reason you, you haven't been able to do that here, will, if you go somewhere else, will you get involved and get engaged? For yourself? Joe put it this way when we were talking about this, go where you can grow. See, what I want to encourage you and, and what I want to do right now as I think about this is, this is not, hey, we do things a certain way and if you don't like it, get out. If you hear that, then we're not communicating. What this means is, 
as a church, we're, we're sort of at a crossroads. We're at this place right now where as we've seen new people come week in and week out, and as we've seen people, um, people who have been around Westway Christian Church for years come back and be, kind of begin to get involved and begin to get engaged, we're kind of at this crossroads as a church where, where we would think that having 20 or 25 people who serve in children's ministry, like we would think that's enough. But it's not. One of the things as we've discussed over the past few months is we want to we move Wednesday night to more of a family night. One of the reasons we're hearing from people that they can't come to small groups is because what do I do with my kids is an issue. Well, we've, right now we don't have a children's ministry program on Wednesday nights. If we had more small groups that met on Wednesday nights and we had a children's ministry program, do you see how that problem solves itself? We want to do more we're going to have more Sunday school classes. And here's a question that we get. What do I do with my kids? See, we're at a crossroads and, and we're, inviting, we're inviting you into something. We're inviting you to participate so that other people can experience the love of God through you. That's what we're inviting you to. That's what we're calling you to. And again, if maybe you can't do that here and that's, that's okay. I want, to give you, I want to give you permission to not feel like you have to come here every week and this is like such a drag. I would love for the church that you commit yourself to, I would love for that church to be Westway because I happen to think like we're one church in the valley, other churches are Christians and teach the Bible and are faithful and you know what? I love Westway more than I love those other churches. There is not a single other church that I would rather be a part of than this one right here. Ann and I have conversations almost daily about how God is working here at Westway Christian Church. But we're only awesome because of God's presence. See, God could have invited anyone, anyone to be a part of his kingdom plan. And he invited you people. And he invited me. He invited us together. Not because of a skill set that we have. And honestly, not even because of who we might become. But because of who he is. In 1983, there's a man named John Scully who was the president of Pepsi. He devoted his almost entire business life to Pepsi, making them a world-renowned and recognized brand. He was something that a lot of companies and a lot of organizations wanted to hire as their own president. One of those organizations was Apple Computer and its leader was Steve Jobs. Steve had tried to recruit this man away a number of times. And after all of these failed attempts, he said one more thing. He said, John, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? 
See, there's lots of things that we could devote ourselves to. Have impact, have meaning, have purpose. But there is nothing that we can give our lives to except for the cause of Christ that will make any sort of lasting impact. And this is what each one of us has been invited into. So we have a choice. We can go back and we can make our lives about any other thing. Having a successful agricultural business. Raising good moral children. Making a name for ourselves in the business world. Or we can go with God and we can change the world. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for your persistent, consistent invitation for us to join you. I'm thankful that you love us and you love those who don't know you so much that you would desire to spend eternity with us. God, as we consider your invitation, maybe it's, it's not even to the devoted gathering or to generous giving or to serving or to disciple making going. Maybe the invitation that we are faced with today is whether or not we want to follow you as our Lord and Savior. I pray that we would consider the weight of the invitation. We would consider your words. We would recognize that we can make a name for ourselves in dozens and dozens of ways. But without you, it's empty, meaningless, purposeless, unfulfilling, and ultimately is going to get us nothing but death. Just ask that we would consider the weight of your word to us this morning. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.